Have you ever wondered how to mine cryptocurrencies? Well, this week we talk about mining and staking with Stephen Wealthy and how it works, how you get set up, and our recommendations for how to get involved in crypto. Welcome to the Delve Into Money podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. This is the personal finance podcast where we attempt to demystify money by reviewing books and applying what we learn to our own financial journeys. Thank you so much for listening today to episode 16 of the Delve Into Money podcast. Today, we're talking, continuing on a conversation with Stephen Wealthy about Bitcoin, Ethereum, what is mining, what is staking, and really dive deep into those processes, how Stephen got set up, and what it means, the positives and negatives of each. And then we wrap up talking about what our recommendations for you are in this space. But before we jump in, I want to implore you one more time I would love it if you could leave a rating on Apple Podcast of this podcast. It's super meaningful. It helps provide social proof. If you do that right now and you email it to me at curtis at delveintomoney.com, you will get a free copy of my Money and Marriage ebook, which is a $20 value. In the near future, it will probably be significantly more than that. So jump in while you can. So just a reminder, Stephen Wealthy is a Canadian who has been into personal finance and is a millionaire. And he is writing on his blog, stephenwealthy.com, which I'll link in the show notes. And He has recently gotten into crypto. What I loved about his story is that he dove right in. He didn't just throw, you know, just as, you know, toe in. He didn't just do that. He jumped into the deep end and he made some big bets immediately because of his, what he believed and what he thought of crypto. Because of that, That was why I thought it was an interesting story to have on the podcast. So you can listen to part one. So go back and listen if you're interested in his story. Here, we jump right into comparing Bitcoin and Ethereum. And we talk about the bets that he made, how he is staking right now, and the differences between staking and mining. So let's go ahead and jump right into the interview. Let's move on. Let's kind of talk Ethereum a little bit. And we've, with Bitcoin, I think we got our minds wrapped around the concept of the cryptocurrency and and just the the benefits of all this. But let's talk about the benefits of Ethereum. So Bitcoin is that dumb store of value, peer-to-peer currency, online money, store of value, scarcity. Uh, Ethereum really is that... uh, that smart contract. It's it's the smarter version. It's that it's that full service bank, if you will, right? It's like okay, let's like you can you can take Bitcoin and you can wrap it and you can put it on the Ethereum network, right? So like you can even create like USDT, like I was just talking to you about, like that stablecoin USDT, USDC, right? There's all these 
currency-backed stable coins, those all run on the Ethereum network. And so the list of use cases for Ethereum is is massive. It's long. So we've all heard about NFTs lately. Right? That's been kind of in the news. That's been on social media. JPEG rocks being sold for obscene amounts of money. Digital artwork being bought. Those, primarily, those are all being done on the Ethereum network. And so I have an NFT. So that's my my warranty for the validator that I own and run. That came to me as an EF, NFT. And so that's on my that's on my computer, that warranty certificate essentially, and that's also on my phone. So anytime I need to have a warranty claim on on the device, I just use that. And so, and also with NFTs too, you get like the ticketing. So it's digital proof of ownership, right? So you can prove that I own this digital piece of art, I own this warranty, I own this event ticket, I own um whatever that might be this this vehicle down the line whatever that, that might be right but what comes cool with the nfts is they can be programmed as well too so what's the sports team there where you live what's the hot ticket in your local area uh the oklahoma city thunder okay so you buy the oklahoma city thunder ticket you know best seat in the house you put it on StubHub. You want to sell that to me? I'm skeptical of it being legit. But if you sold me the NFT for that ticket, right? I know it's not available now, but down the line, think five, ten years from now, you sell me the NFT. It's guaranteed to be legit because you you own the digital ownership to that ticket. I buy that. I'm 100% confident it's legit. Now, where the Oklahoma City Thunder can benefit from this is they can put a condition in there that when it gets resold, they get 10% every single time. That's the smart contract part of it. So the NFT moves, transfers ownership, they get 10% of the currency that gets changed hands. That's a great application and great example. Another one that I've heard is you talk about ownership of housing, right? And every time that a house changes hands, you're having to pay for someone to go validate that basically ownership you know, is being transferred and you're having to validate the, the plots and the lines of everything that's being done. But with, with this, these blockchain networks where we've got these uh, transactions and these, these items stored, we're sitting here and we can validate proof of ownership all the way back to the very beginning. No doubt anyone can do that at any time. And then you can also validate the, the, content or the the base the baseline stuff and it's such a powerful thing that takes out this again this inefficiency in that system so build on that one more further so microsoft said they're looking at ethereum to use to prove anti-piracy right so we're going back to that proof of digital ownership that proof of ownership with ethereum right so that's one of the best use cases for it now if a it titan like Microsoft, which is, I don't know, what are they, what's their market cap right now? It's over a trillion, is looking at using, they're an IT, that, that's what they do. And they're going to use Ethereum to prove anti-piracy for the you know Windows or Office and stuff. Like that's huge tip of the hat to the Ethereum network, right? That, you know, you have one of the biggest players in the space looking to use you to prove and use NFTs on that. So... Yeah, it, 
I don't know. I, I put the two together, Bitcoin and Ethereum, and it's like it's just like a match made in heaven. You got the smarts and the elegance of Ethereum with you know decentralized finance, where you have an open blockchain that's public. You got proof of ownership. You can settle assets internationally. Uh, you can write a bond. You can transfer stock. You can, uh, you know, any transfer of any ownership of of assets can be done. Um, through that network internationally with, you know, little to no fee. I mean, I, I know everyone's like, well, no, it costs like 150 bucks to, to move $100 US and stuff on Ethereum. Well, it's going to get addressed and they'll get that down and, you know, that's that'll be fine. But when you're moving billions of millions of dollars, you know, $100 to transfer that internationally, is, is, it's peanuts. So so here's a here's a question to clearly we're sold on on just the viability of what this is. And, and you can talk about kind of the adoption curve of, of a new, you know, whatever new technology and anything that's innovation, innovative. Right. And I think that we're probably in that like enthusiast visionary phase, like the first 15%, you know, adoption. And at what point and how long do we think it would take to get to this, this point where, all of our tickets are NFTs. All of these things are, are to the point where you're at that 50 plus percent adoption and you're, you're now having mass adoption, uh, in the market. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious on your, your answer for this as well too. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I want to know what you, what you think. My, honestly, mine I don't, I don't know. I don't know how long that's going to take for that mass adoption, but I don't believe that I'm going to buy an event ticket from you and I'm going to say to you, send me the NFT on the Ethereum network. Or, you know, I'm buying a house from you. Let's, let's jump on the Ethereum network and let's transfer the asset that way. I, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think there's a strong business case on the things we've already mentioned and the players in the area are going to come in and they're going to see an advantage here. So uh, like StubHub will jump on there, right? Visa is going to jump on there. Goldman Sachs is going to jump on there. Western Union, FedEx, they're going to jump on and say, how can we use this to our advantage? Microsoft, you know, they're not going to say, hey, prove your ownership of, of Windows uh, Windows 10 by using the Ethereum network with your um, Meta wallet. No, they're going to they're gonna say, this is prove, you know, we've proven you own Microsoft. Visa is going to settle your transaction for you. But in the background, they're going to be using Ethereum to do that. So that, that's where I see it, it, it happening is it'll happen naturally and you won't even know it. StubHub's going to sell you the ticket. And you're going to sell the ticket to somebody else using StubHub, but in the background, it was all done through Ethereum. Yeah, so it's like with it's like with the software that you buy for your computer. There's going to be something embedded in that where Microsoft is going to have put that there, and then as you log on, and this is where everything's connected to the internet, right? And so, so they're going to for I think they're going to force that connection, and then it's going to be, you know, every time that changes hand, it's going to be connecting and validating. Is this a valid? Is this a valid product? Is this a valid deal? So, and that stuff is already happening. It's just not done yet on the Ethereum network or in the cryptocurrency space. Um, yep. So, anyways, but your but your your thoughts though on that though? I'm curious on that. Yeah. So, 
I think we're still quite a ways out. I think, and when I say quite a ways, I think 10 to 15 years, uh, from something like that. Um, I think it's going to be, it's going to be one of those deals where it, we're seeing a huge adoption now, but that still is, is a very small portion and, and people are becoming familiar and comfortable with the language. But when I have conversations in the real world, I mean, it's still one out of 10 people that, that can even speak on anything. And so, um, and that's, that's even just surface level. And so I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to happen really quickly when it happens though. I see, I feel like the, the dominoes are going to start falling, uh, you know, and I think it's going to happen quickly because you're going to see uh, company after company, uh, group after group kind of going adopting these. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you said you didn't want to give a timeline, but. Yeah, no, um, obviously I don't want 10 to 15 years. That would, that would really suck. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I i have no grounds to uh to disagree on that i mean that that sounds actually quite realistic um my holding my plan and my holding period is till 2030 so like i have a i have a tweet scheduled going out today that uh, like i've lost 24k on ethereum in the last since september 20 since september 2nd Till today on November, uh, sorry, on September 11th, I've lost 24k on it. Like it's volatile as anything, man. Like it just swings around like it's it's nothing, right? And yeah, you know, I'd obviously like for it to go back up and stabilize, and you know, let's let's go, let's let's get this done, you know. But I'm in it till 2030, um, and we'll see where we're at at that point. You're probably right, though. Probably like a 10 to 15 year to I hope I, you know. Personally, I hope it happens a little quicker. Maybe if the nation states, you know, like Latin America, maybe we could get some other smaller, you know, the U.S. is likely going to be one of the last countries to adopt any kind of Bitcoin legalization just with they're the dominant reserve currency in the world. So right. they have the most to lose by adopting Bitcoin. So I see them being the last ones. But so we'll see how it, see how it goes. You know, game theory might force the hand on some of these countries and companies to start buying it up and just holding in some of it in reserve and the use cases you know maybe becomes a more compelling feature a little faster you know like i you know a lot of models map this to like you know internet adoption in the 90s um maybe it'll happen just a touch faster on that but you're probably right you know something around that 10-year time frame yeah yeah, it will be an interesting path to follow. That's for sure. It'll be, and you can guarantee there's going to be a volatility along the way, right? <laughs> so, guaranteed, yes, hundred percent. Okay, well, let's let's kind of kind of talk about since you are now holding thirty two Ethereum and and uh, have your node. Let's talk about mining and staking and and what what that looks like. What your experience is there. With, so with with staking, so we've, we've kind of gone over that a little bit, right? Like I saved up the 32, deposited, made to the deposit. Uh, I run the validator. It's a little tiny box, NUC-looking computer, fanless. Runs, uh, I don't even, I don't, it's 35 watts with the router and the modem and the validator all in together. And it's just, 
just running away doing its thing it's super cool like talking temperature wise like it's cool to the touch doesn't you know it just does its thing it doesn't make any noise emits very very little if any heat and so that's that's proof of stake so it's based on you know you're, you're putting in some collateral you're putting in a stake you know you have something to lose and so you're willing to run a computer that has 32 ethereum backing it and you're running a program that validates the next block in the blockchain and says yes i agree that that's that's a valid block add it to the blockchain let's move on to the next one and just keeps on doing that i think every 13 seconds or so a new block is added and so what's cool though too is i think since i've run it i've actually proposed seven blocks myself so there's always a node that uh, proposes the next block and so since april uh, end of april I've proposed seven blocks. So you put the whole, you put the, the block together, has all the transactions rolled into one, and then you put it forward to the validators. They look at it and say, yes, we agree with it. And it gets put into the blockchain. And it's cool. Like the last one I did, it was worth $250,000. Wow. Cool. And you scroll through all the trans, you can look at all the transactions you propose, and it's like, you know, Uniswap here to there, USDT to here to there, Ether from here to there. Most of it's just peanuts, right? You're moving like 0.1 and 0.2 and stuff. And there'll be some dude who's like moved a whole bunch at once and stuff. You're like, dang, man, happy to help you out <laughs> type of thing, right? Or, or someone wrote a smart contract or something like that, right? So that's that's staking is you're, you're participating on the network. You're helping out. You're, you know, providing a... A service right like as great as ethereum is without the decentralized miners and then now into the future the stakers it doesn't exist it, it, it needs it needs this and so how do they make it happen they they provide you monetary incentive to to provide this service and so i think last month i made 700 dollars on staking ethereum you know based on the ethereum they pay you in ethereum so it's you know whatever the price of ethereum is that month here you are uh, so, so just to just to make sure I'm understanding, you bought the 32 Ethereum. You now put it in a wallet. I guess you're you're technically doing. You're not in a network, so you're holding it. You're holding it in a wallet, and then you're putting that up as collateral to be used, so that you can be a part of the network that is then now validating the transactions. Is that a good summation? Yes. Uh... So I put together 32 Ethereum. I I held them in a wallet, and then I had to put them into a smart contract okay. onto the Ethereum network. Gotcha. And you, you, I do that. I did that through the Ethereum Foundation. So there wasn't an exchange involved. So, so there's no Binance. There's no Coinbase. There's no Shark Pool. So I put that onto, uh, I, they write the smart contract, they take my 32 Ethereum, and then they give me what the private key is. So that at a later date, I can pull that 32 plus whatever. Is, this, is the smart contract locked up for a period of time? Yes, without any determined time period. So they say, so it's, it's part of the risk that comes with this too, right? Is that they don't know when they're going to release it. So they said uh, they won't allow you to take any of that back until they've merged the beacon chain with the main net. So the main net is the proof of work 
blockchain, so just the normal Ethereum blockchain. The beacon chain is what the proof of stake and Ethereum 2.0 is running. And they're running in parallel. So on my validator, I'm actually running two blockchains. Okay. Right? They run in parallel. They synchronize. They talk to one or the other, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and so, but when I make the deposit, it's on. It's locked into a smart contract. I can't access it. Uh, but it'll, it will be released into the future once it gets merged from the beacon chain. So that, that staking chain gets merged with the main net. I know I'm saying a lot of things that a lot of people are like, whatever. Just they're in the middle of a transitionary period. In the future, they're going to merge and go proof of proof of stake. At that point, that's when I can access the 32 Ethereum and pull it out. I could, I, and at that time, I could, I could take it all off and say, no, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. That's supposed to be either the end of this year, so by December or Q1 of next year is when they're supposed to uh, merge the two together. Okay. So at that point, I could I could stop. But if you but if you leave the 32 there, you're continuing to be a part. You run your node, yep. and then and then mm-hmm. if you at any point past that, you could pull it off if you decided that you didn't want to do it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then you hit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and now with it being locked on a contract with them, they can credit the the contract so then and they do that every epoch or epic as they say which is uh, i forget how many minutes that is i think it's every six and a half minutes that they credit your account and you can i can look at the transactions like bang 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 but they just keep on crediting the account it's a small little amount but they keep on but if i ever mess up or i'm late or just some leg or something like that with the network then they actually decrease the contract so they'll, they'll take money out but it's minimal, minimal. It, it, uh, yeah. So I had to t- I had to turn it off to put on um, a UPS like a uninterrupted power supply, uh, so that I can you know have run with like a two or three hour battery backup type of thing. So I had to turn it off, and so for like half an hour I was actually losing money on Ethereum. But like it's it's peanuts, right? Like it's it's nothing. I think it's two thirds of the reward is what you would is what you're losing. So, yeah. so you're not going to lose your thirty two from that. Oh no, no, <laughs> it, it's just nothing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, if you act nefariously, like say you act with malintent to try and mess with the network, they'll slash you, and that can be quite uh, punitive. Right. So they they need to they they need, and they need that ability to be able to. To, to make sure everyone's acting in good faith. We're trying to promote the network. We're trying to push it forward. You gave us 32. There's a reason for this. Let's put, you know, let's all work together and help this go forward. And so as we all do that together, we all get rewarded. And if somebody for some weird reason wants to act nefarious or, you know, mess up a block in the blockchain, if they detect it, you're going to get hit hard and lose some Ethereum. And then if you drop below 16, you're out. Interesting. So, so then let's, let's transition to mining and then kind of wrap, wrap up from there. But, uh, so explain the difference between the mining and the staking. Obviously we've talked about the energy aspect of it, but I'm just talking about kind of the physical process of it. So when, when Bitcoin mining and and Ethereum mining too, when it started, guys were literally running the stuff on their laptop and it's basically a network of computers, laptops, then it became graphics cards, then it became ASICs, 
which stand for uh, Application Specific Integrated Circuit. So they're competing to try and write the next block, right? So the network is, they're, they're trying to be trustless. They don't trust one another. And so they're trying to disprove one another. I've solved the algorithm the fastest. Uh, I've put forward this block. You guys try and disprove it. Nobody can disprove it. Therefore, it's valid. Let's put it in. And uh, the amount of energy required to, to run this mining uh, is growing uh quite quite quickly right because everyone's trying to compete to try and win some of this the bitcoin that's available every day or some of the ethereum uh, that's every day available every day and so it's very energy intensive um it's very competitive um i i don't like so with ethereum mining you can do it with gpus or graphics cards bitcoin it's all with asics you gotta buy you know they look like little tiny well, they look like desktop computers to a certain extent, but they just do you just plug them in mm-hmm. and they make a lot of heat, and a lot of noise, and they consume like 3000 watts of electricity. And that might, <laughs> that might not sound like a whole lot, like 3000 watts of electricity, but you can't even run that off of a normal outlet. Like you need a, a dryer outlet to run one thing. And uh, <laughs> you're, you're running a dryer 24 seven in your house. <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting you're not you're not making it like it's the the pricing dynamics and such with bitcoin that uh, you gotta you gotta have a whole ton of these things and you're yeah anyways uh it's it's just not economical you said yours was 35 watts right well no i don't have a bitcoin no My, sorry your no, your your node was 35 watts 35 watts yeah, yeah exactly. so that i'm just comparing yeah. the 35 yeah. watts to the 3000 so oh i know like it's um as wonderful and incredible as Bitcoin is, Ethereum has a secret weapon coming in and it's like, it could really disrupt Bitcoin. That along with the fact that they're burning Ethereum now. So they're throwing some away every transaction. And so there's a beautiful play with, with Ethereum, with uh, it's smart, it's decentralized finance. It doesn't have the supply cap that Bitcoin does, so there's no there's no limit on how much Ethereum can be created. Uh, but they're burning some now with every transaction to limit the supply, and then it's coming up with proof of stake. And I, I when I read that part of it, having hey, we're coming in with energy efficiency, right? Because that's I'm I'm really sensitive to that because with where I'm at in my career, oil and gas climate change, emissions, I really feel the heat of this this climate change thing. And so Bitcoin needs to be a little bit aware of its impact on the climate and its impact on energy. It's good that it's using, you know, hydro and wind and solar and definitely more of that is needed as they go forward. But if, if Ethereum with the market cap it has, I think it's around 400 billion, if they deliver on proof of stake and it's like, yeah, we use 1% of the energy we used to and we're faster than Visa, we're cheaper than, we're the, you know, we're the cheapest settlement network out there. It's like this, well, I, that's, that's, that was part of it with me being like, gotta have it, gotta have it. It's worth the, it's worth the bet. In my mind, it is definitely worth the bet. You start ticking off the benefits, right? You know, and the list gets, the list eventually gets long enough that you your willingness to buy in goes through the roof. So. Yeah. So that, that, and that's why like, you know, guys will come at me 
uh, with, you know, you should do Algorand or you should do uh, Matic or Link or uh, Cardano or whatever the thing's going to be. You know, it's like, but what does it do that Ethereum doesn't do? Tell me what it does that Ethereum doesn't do or what Ethereum won't do. And it, I don't know. I, I think Link ha- has some potential just with it being. Um, there's an or I, I need to do some research and look into it a little more, but there's like an Oracle backend and there's like some some data connection part of it there. So I'll, I'll just do some research there and stuff. But I don't need another DeFi token or coin that's just decentralized staking coin with smart contracts. Yep, got that. It's done with Ethereum and it's the big player in the space. And I'd rather hook onto that than take a risk. And there's enough volatility with Ethereum already that I don't need another more volatile token. So in what in what world, what scenario could you see, you know, because obviously there's there's like you've mentioned a couple, uh, another one's like the Solana, you know, that's really. Yes. Yeah. That off. one's been <laughs> it's just tearing gone, off the rivets. It's thing. gone crazy. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, because these are now becoming competitors and obviously Ethereum is that is the one that's, you know, kind of way ahead of the others as far as just every metric that you look at. Um, but what scenarios could you see where some of those might out, uh, I guess, outrun Ethereum to that finish line? I can't see any scenario. Or, okay, well, do you see do you see these competing networks, I guess, or do you see there being like just a adopted, you know, one, one shop, uh, one-stop shop? Uh, the- <laughs> Uh, I'm, I just I can't see a scenario where they beat Ethereum. Yeah, I can envision a scenario where Ethereum beats Bitcoin, per what we said before. Solana, Algorand, Avalanche, Cardano—they got to come up with something that is better, right? So. One theme I'm really interested in is disruptive technology, right? So I recently opened a position with Kathy Woods Innovation Fund because I think, yeah, that there's some there's some room here. There's, this could really go. So I bought her ARC fund. And so when I read her, uh, her white papers and how she approaches investing, uh, the disruptive player whether that's Uber or Netflix or Amazon, they need, they can't just be better than the incumbent. They got to really, they got to be like 10 times better. They got to be 10 times cheaper, 10 times faster, 10 times better product. Right. And so when these other DeFi players are coming in to challenge Ethereum, you've got to outdo it big time in a particular way. Right. And so, and the, I can already hear in my head, well, no, Ethereum so expensive and, you know, Cardano or Solana, or they're so much cheaper. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. True. Ethereum is expensive, but that's because everyone wants to use it. Why do they want to use it? That's what's driving the price up to put a transaction on there. And then it's also going to solve its own problem as it goes forward with the proof of stake. That's going to lower the cost. And then the sharding will definitely reduce the cost. And so that's going to get taken care of. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a speed bump. It's a, it's a problem, but they'll take care of it. But what, do, what are those income, what are those new players going to do to beat Ethereum? Like serving Africa with the unbanked? I don't know. Like, really? Like, you know, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. 
yes, it could help. There's some money to be made there, and it helps the entire space together as a whole. And that's good competition. That's a great service. Go for it. Awesome. Meanwhile, Ethereum's going after the G7 nations, right? With euro bonds. I'd rather hook. I'd rather hook onto that than let's go after the unbanked. So, so to answer your question, I don't see right now anyone coming after them. And if they do, they got to be better than Ethereum. Yeah, that makes sense. Like ten times better. Yeah. Well, and I've I've seen that concept before. I don't know if cat if it was from Kathy Woods or if it was from. And I do have I do have some arc as well, but it is this. You you can't make these small incremental changes and overtake a market leader. There's got to be something that's the 10 times is just the idea that it's got to be revolutionary and it's got to be something that is going to fundamentally change that market. And have you ever driven a Tesla? I have not. No, I've, we, we went to a showroom yeah. and we checked them out, but I didn't get to drive one. Yeah. Okay. So I I've driven, so few years ago uh my, my dad's a big car enthusiast loves the latest technology with cars so for father's day we went and test drove a tesla and i didn't know much about them at the time we get in we get driving around and if it wasn't the first corner it was the second we're all smiles and it's like driving a go-kart it is the most incredible vehicle to drive the power the torque amazing and so you're like i want this this is incredible and then you go back to the showroom and you're like and it's more energy efficient it's going to cost you less to run like you go through the it's like and, and then on top of that it's also fun to drive it drives itself all these great things and then you find out the sticker price you're like okay yeah then, and then your enthusiasm wanes and you're like okay that sucks i i don't i, I don't have 100k to drop in a in a essentially a Toyota Corolla, right? The Model <laughs> Three is essentially a Toyota Corolla, and right. it tells you otherwise. I mean, sure, it's nice and it looks good and everything, but in terms of the size, the dimensions, it's a Toyota Corolla. It is. I'm sorry, it is. It's the same size, but it's an incredibly fun car to drive, and you get sold on it right away. And that's disruptive technology right there. It's like this experience of, oh, this is great, and then it's like cheap to run and it's energy efficient and it's climate change. And it like you list off all these awesome benefits. So that's what disruptive technology is. It's like, here's the new player and in emotionally, like it's incredible. And then it like economically, and then you start ticking off all the boxes and it makes a total lot of sense. Yeah. And so, so these, these new players, they got to be better than Ethereum. They got to like, they got to hit a home run. You can't just go up to bat and hit a single and say, hey, I'm the new guy. I'm going to make you rich or something. It's like, yeah, well, no, it's got to be apparent right away. Why are you better than Ethereum? Okay, well, let's let's wrap it up here with how would you suggest people get started in cryptocurrencies? First thing, you got to read the Bitcoin standard. So there's too much misinformation. There's too much hype. There's too much people trying to shill or sell um, the next altcoin to go to the Bitcoin standard. So it's a book. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a link to it. It's a great book. I've read it. Uh, definitely. Well, it worth explains it. the whole reason behind why you need a cryptocurrency. 
hard money, etc. How the whole network works, why it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you, you, you're coming at it from an unbiased. Well, I guess he is a bit biased, but you, you know, it's a, it's an academic type level book. Right. It explains every how everything works, and you're not getting promoted um, from some guy on on the internet. So start with Bitcoin, learn about Bitcoin, buy some, go to an exchange. It's really good. I think strike is a really good exchange that's come online recently for americans i think it's uh free there's no fees there's no spread it's a thousand dollars a week max cap so that's probably sufficient for most budgets out there um and then there's uh, other exchanges that are good are ftx and uh of course there's there's coinbase personally myself uh, I love Binance, uh, but that's not available in all jurisdictions. They have some, you know, they're not the most popular or whatever. I love them though. Like they're, they're my favorite. I love them. They're good, great fees, good support on all the stuff. Right. I tried to, I tried to get on Binance, but after about three months of them not approving me, I moved on <laughs> elsewhere. So yeah, I, I know they're, there is a, it's a strange, but they're like, literally I can, get a loan in a second with those guys yeah so just just it's just where i live and where it's supported it works so and i'd assume you'd agree to this but don't go buying it on a robin hood or on a venmo on all these places where you're literally you don't actually hold the coin you're you know you don't have yeah. any access yeah you want to yeah. go to one of these exchanges where you're actually gonna um, have your private key yeah so that's we yeah that's an important part of uh, of crypto is knowing your keys, right? And so, on all the stuff that I own, with Bitcoin and Ethereum, I know my private keys on both of them. So, yeah, I do have a little bit on Binance, and so true, I don't. They have the private key on that, but by and large, everything it's either on cold storage in a safe, or it's locked on that smart contract with the Ethereum network, and I know the private key to that. And I know that's going to be a level of nuance for most of your listeners and stuff, but just knowing your keys is is, is really important. The takeaway is uh, when you buy some on an exchange, make sure they allow you to withdraw the crypto from the exchange and put it onto a private wallet. You can deal with a private wallet a little later. Uh, you can buy like a Ledger or a Taser or some other hard wallet type key. You can even make your own paper wallet. Um, but, uh, that's, and if they don't let you withdraw it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy it on that exchange. Cause then it's locked in with them. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, I'm pulling up Coinbase, Coinbase here right now. And you know, you've, uh, like, again, you, you have that, you have the ability to transfer it and pull it out. So I think that's the key. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that's the easier, that's the easier way to frame it for a beginner trying to you know, yeah, and and like I said, I'll put those. I'll put some re recommendations in in this. So, yeah. But you know, and so to circle back on this though, I'd rather have some on Robinhood than none at all. Yeah, as yeah. well too. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. And then there are also other options too with like ETFs and trusts as well. So uh, some guys want to buy like Grace uh, Grayscale, I think it's called uh, Bitcoin Trust and Ethereum Trust. Those are good options too that land in your uh, that you can hold in your 
like uh, like registered accounts or brokerage accounts. Those are often a really easy onboard as well too. Uh, and then they deal with the custody and holding of of the cryptocurrencies as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's a great way to get access to it in your retirement accounts and in, in your accounts that you're not, you know, having to take other cash out. Um, mm-hmm. So I've I've I that was actually my first exposure. I did it through that before going and buying others. So that's a great that's a great place to start as well. So yeah, and then you can worry about you know that then you have a position that's going to act almost like a hedge going forward with a one-to-one price appreciation and depreciation and you can worry about the hardcore crypto exchange later on type of thing right when you when you get a little more familiar with it and stuff yeah yeah for sure well i think thanks for giving us your time and then you're on twitter right are you on anything else and yeah no i'm at twitter and also instagram Uh, yeah so follow me on twitter i'm on there almost every day well i am on there every day and uh, just yeah, give me a follow, and happy to 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 message or answer any questions with uh, with anyone there, or help you guide through on any of this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, and I'm learning on this on this thing too, right? Like, I, it, this is new to me. I've only been doing it for a year with crypto. The other stuff I've been doing for much longer and everything, and. So, um, you know, it's a great journey. I'd love doing this together. They've got a good community on there on Twitter and stuff and love the, <laughs> the daily banter back and forth <laughs> and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. I love it. So, uh, yeah, join, join, join us on there. Like follow, follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Well, I'll put all the links out there and everything. And I, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. What I loved and the reason I wanted to go this direction, I'm sure people could tell this from the conversation is that while I think we're all a little bit of evangelists for these cryptocurrencies, but, but your, your level approach to, you know, starting off with index funds, being involved in different real estate, and then also now getting involved in crypto and then having and going all in and doing uh, the node was valuable experience that I think is a more level uh, discussion than what you can sometimes get when you have people that are full evangelist and just full on mm. crypto. And so I appreciate that perspective. And again, thanks for the time. So. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having me, Curtis. It's been a, been a real pleasure. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that episode like I did. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. Just one last reminder, my ebook Marriage and Money is releasing a week from the release date of this episode. If you've not got it yet, look for it in the show notes. Send me a picture of a rating and review of this podcast, and I will get you a free copy of that ebook. Thank you again for stopping by. Thank you for being a true fan and listening to this podcast. We end the episode the same way that we do every single episode. Until next week, remember, healthy financial decisions are intentional financial decisions. Intentional decisions this week lead to a healthy financial future. Start today and see you next week.